welcome back to the Stable Hands Podcast. I'm Eclectic Tech. This week on the show, I'm talking with John from Emerald Aussie Stables. John hosts the Twitter space, JG Web3. This week, we're talking about racing with the new Flash Tawnies, his take on breeding as well, one of my favourite things to talk about, and also, we spend a bit of time talking about just how awesome life is in the Z community at the moment. So without any further ado, let's dive right in and talk about all things Zed Run with Emerald Aussie Stable. Okay, and welcome again to the Stable Hands podcast. Uh, I'm Eclectic Tech and got a another Aussie, and he is Aussie, even though what he sounds like, you'll have to just bear with us on that. Um and we've got John from Emerald Aussie Stables. John, thanks for helping me out with this podcast, mate. How are you going? Very well, my friend. I'm delighted to the opportunity to be here and have a chat with you about all things Zed and what a what a few days it's been or, you know, when we listen back and what a week it's been. So looking forward to having a good old chat with you, my friend. Yeah, it's um, just for those when you finally get this, we've um, we've just recording this the day the flash tournament went live with with the free racing so um i think we might be both half on the podcast and half trying to enter as many free races as we can in our horses in the next hour what do you what do you think john yeah i actually went through my stable and i was looking for obviously the 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 flash tourneys for the conditionals and the in the bottom bracket and like i think you know the top 25 to 20 up to 25 in the each bracket and um I've only got like three horses, actually, I'm sorry, five horses in out of my 31 horses are available to run in the tournament. <laughs> ah, excellent. Uh, you've uh, you've spent too much time leveling up then. Uh, probably yes and no, yes and no as well. And I suppose as well at the moment we have the, this, and also today they dropped the XP weekend tournament as well. So basically it'll be two days of everybody XP and up to see, I think it's a, the 144 top horses pair class that will, you know, shoot out for some money next week. So that's interesting too. Oh, that's fantastic. I've been working my day job all day today and I ha- haven't actually caught up on that news. So um, interesting al- stuff to go and have a look. Yeah. A bit of alpha as well. And, and they've just announced that they've banned 18 stables for, um, breaking the terms and conditions, i.e., race probably stacking. Um, so they've given them a seven-day ban. Um, they haven't said who or what, but uh, yeah, so they've given them a uh, seven-day ban, eighteen stables. Now, how can they access their horses to transfer them out to different stables or lend them out? Or I don't know, but um, that's interesting too, eh? Very interesting and long called for. I did see that on Twitter just as um, just as I jumped on in getting pre- pre- prepared for this episode. So, um, be interesting to see. It's great to see um, action, and you know, particularly in the botting uh, context. But action all over Zed. I mean, it, it's just been so exciting. But um, your Emerald Aussie Stable, John. So one of the things I kind of like to start uh, this show with. It's just to get to know how did people get into Zed? So, like, how did you first hear about Zed? How long ago did you get into Zed? Um, how long have you been kind of racing and, and breeding these digital racehorses? 
Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still, it's very funny because when I, even now when I say I have a few digital horses, people look at me sideways and still, I think that's everybody's experienced it. Um, I, I joined about August 21. Um, so just, um, I, my, so basically I was just messing around with NFTs, never been really in crypto, never been in NFTs, just playing around, love horse racing, love sport, kind of came across a YouTube, a couple of YouTube videos, um, and also at the time um, over here uh, in, in Australia, as you know, there was a couple of uh, radio um, guys who were basically talking about they bought a digital horse, um, Hamish and Andy. So I kind of said, hey, shout what's out all to the- Hamish and Andy. Yeah, yeah, shout out. Got us all involved. It's all their fault. Um, but no, we simply just had a Google of it and came across as, hey, that looks really interesting. Prices were ridiculous. Um, I think Avon said it last week. He was roughly around the same time as me. Um so basically i said right so we got five mates together and we put in um a few aussie dollars and bought some really expensive crypto um and just just jumped in jumped in didn't really know what we were doing trying to understand the you know bloodlines and um what you know how, how the breeding system worked at the start was pretty intense but i didn't you know it was enjoyable so i kept kept going with it so um yeah so that's how emerald aussie stable was born it's it's um it's basically two irishmen an english guy and two aussies that basically own um emerald aussie stable the other three three of three of the guys aren't involved really at it all and they never really were they just threw some money in because it was funny um they haven't had any kind of money back at this stage but we're still building <laughs> we're still building so that's how i got involved it's very simple um like most of us kind of just had a Google after I heard someone talking about it. Yeah, nice. And tell us a little bit about your stable then. Like how many horses are you running? Are you running multiple stables? Like how many How many have you got on the bench? Yeah, so, yeah, I was, I've got, so I have about seven. Um, just recently there was a few swapsies. So a couple of my C1s went from, uh, racers to benched um, might come off the bench now for these tournaments that are coming up but uh, I run probably ter- I've 31 horses um, I've got probably seven racers and the rest are absolute donkeys um, majority of some of them had a bit of a lease of life but I suppose back in the beginning when 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 we joined I I, I jumped on just as the time where all the genesis uh, sorry where all the um everything was going for a ridiculous price so you could breed two jennies together two buter and genesis genesis together because no one i couldn't afford um to pay any more for a horse at that time so i bought a um crazy frog was the name of my first buter and gen and i bought three legendary females and put them together no i was just waiting um I think I was waiting for Crazy Frog to come out of stud because he was in stud with the previous owner and I was waiting for the legendaries to come into um, the, the females to come into uh, to be able to be to be bred and then all, all hell broke loose so they basically removed odds um, they changed all the um, stud fees so all of a sudden they were cheap the stud fees were no longer cheap it's probably aligned with what we are looking at right now um, and I'm, I'm stuck there I just bred three uh, exclusives and I couldn't sell them to anybody because no one was paying any any money for them at all. So that, that was my first. So so I missed the drop. Stud fees went up. Um, odds disappeared. Um, so like Avon said, I, I timing was absolutely brutal. However, the silver lining on that was that I bought a um, Finny Legendary, a Z8 Finny Legendary, which I still still have third time to the well. 
um, for 0.4 when Ethereum was four and a half grand Aussie. Um, so that was very expensive because I don't think I get 0 0.04 for it now. Um, but I just for pure luck, I was reading a lot of, I, I bracket with a, I, sorry, I bred it with a knack of gen. Um, and it gave me a horse called Hariba and it won a couple of its first races. Um, and basically, sorry, basically out of 12 races, I had won four and placed in five. So I'm like ecstatic. I'm delighted with myself. I'm thinking this is the best game in the world. I think I have a killer and I get a message from an unknown person in Discord um, wanting to buy it. And I'm like, I don't, don't, you know, so the negotiation started and we got up to 0.8 I sold it for. And it was, turned out it was arbitrage. Okay. And yeah. So Ke Kevin and arbitrage bought him for 0.8. Now here's the hilarious part of it. You know, this man knows his stuff. So he held onto that horse for seven races and about, I think it was 26 hours and sold it again for 0 0.5. Cause he immediately put it into the higher, uh, higher paid races and it didn't do so well and immediately yeah. got rid of it straight away. And the poor guy that bought it, not the poor guy who basically ran it about a hundred times after that. And ha he hasn't raced in about a year. So um, that was, yeah. So that was my, so it basically put 0.8 into my bank, which then basically, you know, gave me the opportunity kind of buy a couple of races to try. And so I just went after races then and went, came out of the breeding side of things. You know, I think like most stable owners, a bit of a roller coaster. Probably I'm a, a kind of a, a kind of someone that kind of is lagging a little bit in the sense that when people, the good good stables, top stables are really switch on guys are doing it. I'm probably about a month later. So I kind of miss all of it because <laughs> I don't spend it. Like I'm not a grinder. I, I'm a social part of social uh, Z run player. Um, I don't, I don't sit there and, you know, try rate 300 horses, uh, 300 races a day or anything like that. But I mean, I've got, I've had knack legendaries. I've had, you know, trying to buy them cheap, trying to flip them, had a few races. I bought probably my best horses, Blue Peach, and that's a Z10, uh, Finney legendary um, um, stallion. Uh, he basically got, he's in class two and he's got super variants and through all the changes, he's just been able to perform. He's got 0.6 or 0.7 winnings at this stage obviously frustrates me in tournaments because he can qualify easy but then can't run a race in a quarterfinal or a semi-final but yeah look at i think that was the that's been the makeup of my stable is pretty okay i try and flip a few i try and upgrade so i've been probably flipping and upgrading flipping and upgrading as we go along um recently with the change obviously it's benched a couple like my c1s that i'm bringing out now and again to test out and freeze and whatnot but i've have a, a class four horse that's now super high variance and is killing it in, in class. And I'm saying, I think killing it. He's basically made 0.1 or she's made 0.1 at this stage. And that's a daughter of Blue Peach. So Blue Peach is my, the horse that I'll probably never sell. So I'll, I've had that for about 12 months now. Yeah, nice. And like the the highs and lows of variance racing, um, it's an interesting game. And I think I said it last week as well. Like I'm, I'm going to try and, and slowly move um, my stable to to a variance uh, footprint. I just, for me, that's, that's my strategy. I think that's where the racing's going to go. Um, particularly as, you know, the changes where the, the leveling up starts to add more value, um, which I've noticed in one of my C1 horses in the last couple of days as well, um, that had been benched, but I'd leveled it up maybe 14 levels right back in December last year. 
um, when I was deciding to burn a lot of money for fun um, <laughs> in C1. But uh, I kind of pulled it off the bench earlier this week and, you know, it's won a few, oh, well, paid in the money a few um, double ups uh, this week. So that's always pretty exciting in the conditionals as well. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with around the variance. I mean, I, I tend to try and pick up variance horses. I'm trying to pick up a couple at the moment. But um, just everybody that's listening, if you have a horse that's not flaming at any stage and then it's suddenly starting to flame in paid races, it means that the level up has kicked in. So don't go selling that horse. That horse could start start producing something decent for you if you you know if you've started to level up and you start to see him flame. I mean, everybody flames maybe a rogue flame. It's an indicator. It's an indicator that if it, it runs a number of times, it it will come for a second second or third for you. So I mean, I'm on the lookout for any horses that haven't who've leveled up a little bit. So it's leveled up five, ten, fifteen levels so far, and it's starting to flame, and it's never flamed before. It means that it's it's on the right track. It's starting to get that BA that it's needed to match that variant so um keep your keep your eye out and i'm I'm not talking about six horse race i'm talking about 12 horse race i mean be it top three or double ups but if your horse doesn't flame and starts to flame delist that baby and you'll have some fun with it yeah whatever you do don't sell it to arbitrage no you can sell it to me if i come knocking but that's okay (laughs) Uh, that's funny for all arbitrage he gets a hard time he does he does it's quite interesting because last it was last night um, on this variance journey, I actually started to uh, go through Corku looking for sort of variance um, horses on the market, and I stumbled across a Naka Ledge um, that again low race count, um, but just already showing a really the start of a really good U. Yeah. And I put an offer in on it and um, totally forgot about it last night, forgot I'd done it at all, and um, turns out that offer got accepted. So, nice. Um, well, what's, to, the name? What, what's the name of that horse? We'll have a look at it. Uh, it's called Follow My Foley. Shout out to Blossom Racing for, for taking my bid. Um, we'll see. It's, it's just started running in the freeze. When you talk about the, the class system, John, are you – What's your view on on C1? Like C1 is, you know, it's a hot button issue. Um, There's obviously a lot of chatter in, you know, whether or not it's worthwhile being in class one, investing, you know, time and money um, to have your horses in there. Is that something you've got your eye on? Are you playing more in the the lower classes for a strategy? Um, Not like... I think, like most stables, should be diversified a bit. They have a, a horse that's going to run, you know, if not each funnel in each class, just to give them a, a kick at goal, definitely. But, I mean, not everybody can do that. And I'm technically not in. I have one horse in class four and one horse in class six, and I just basically run them for a bit of fun. And mine mostly kind of around that C2. But I do have four four horses in class one. Um, I suppose the, the class one debate is always troublesome. It really has to just go down to your horse and your horse alone. You've got to, you've got to know your horse, you know, is it able to compete? And if it's not, you just keep running the most in freeze or if you can get away with, I mean, there's nothing low paid really in class one that allows you to do that. Um, with the segmentation around, it can be segmentation into the, you know, you should try place your horse in running tournaments. If you have a, a C1 horse that's not a say a low C1 horse or just a C1 horse that's not able to compete in you know in normal paid races 
just stick to the conditionals. Don't worry about the tournaments. It's harder on tournaments days. Just try and figure out your your those those uh, the conditional ones. I have a horse that's called Diamond in Diamond in my brains, and I mean I must have run it 15, 20 times in free races, and it didn't really do anything. And I put it in, I think a ten dollar double up conditional when five five hundred one to five to five, and it hit, and it hit again, and it hit again. And it's hit again. So in the space of the last 48 hours, I think he's hit four double ups. And all of a sudden he's made $40. So you just have to test your horses out a little bit. Um, I'm not I'm not, I'm not, a grinder um, at all. I'm not going to spend money grinding my horse up if I don't think it has the opportunity. I'll just probably wait until these tournaments pop around, conditional and try run them in that. Um I do. I, I didn't say earlier. I meant to say earlier on. I do have a um, small share in a Z1 NACA, which I never ever thought I would be able to do. But um, Jez from Galaxy Race and he's a great guy. Um, he he said he helps um, move a lot of um, NACA Genesis horses. Um, so for different stables. So if anybody's looking for one, hit him up. He's a good guy. He'll, he'll get you sorted out. Um, but um, our Z1, he he. I think I was talking about his horse Solid, which is also a beautiful, beautiful horse. Um, and he said, I've got the interest in the Z1 at all. I said, well, what's the price and which one is it? So he, um, so it's an interesting story. And this one, Mercy Lego um, is the horse's name. So um, a group of us own it. So um, Crypto John owned a couple of his mates. This one was yeah. in Dan Chance tournament. In he was, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, this, this, there's, there's, we've touched a, a controversial issue. Yeah, let's let, let's chat, let's let's put that to bed early um, on on it. It, it. Of course, it, it, I think we, he's changed the rules a little bit. That um, so what simply happened was a one Vivo one tournament. Um, um, so Crypto Jono he owns eighty percent, seventy five percent of it with um, his two I think two friends, and I own twenty percent with two of my mates and Adasan Stables owned five percent of it. Um, that was always been from the get go. Um, Adesan and myself, he lives down the Gold Coast, so we've we he lends me horses all the Dot Matrix. Shout out to the Gold Coast, yeah, down the Gold Coast. So he owns Aquafini Dot Matrix, and I've borrowed those horses off him, and he's you know, and we I we have a let's say a working relationship on horses and whatnot. And in Danchan's tournament, he was looking for a mid, and there was no rule stipulating that you know he owns a part of that horse so he can use that horse at any stage from from it's normally Merchalego sits in its own stable um, yep. um and what i've used it i've used that horse for the budweiser tournament out of my own stable um so and, and it, we want to want a nice little kick it there but it, for one of the, one of the best weekends i've ever had that it actually beat grandeur in the final and took away the, the you know the the prize pool of over two eats so um it, it was ridiculously excitement that I, you know, I, I've never experienced anything like that owning it. And I only have a small percentage of the horse. Um, so it was controversial at the time, but I, you know, Dan Chan, you know, he, he specified it was no rules that didn't say it. There is no rules that the ho- any horse needs to be in your stable before the tournament in this next one. And that's in the C2 1v1 that's coming up and I'm involved. I've got my stable in that, which probably won't do anything, anything good, but um, yeah, what a weekend. It was just, you know, 
surreal that we could be up to i mean to be honest Alistair, he put it in he, you know he he got his he 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 won the money and he 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 put some money back in it all went back into some money went back into the into Mer- the stable mercy lego stable which is just him sitting by himself so uh, 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 you know just to clarify uh, he Alistair definitely owned the horse so there was no reason for he can't actually use that horse at any stage you know but a little bit controversial <laughs> well um that's that's that one put to bed, I think. Um, yeah, it was just it's very interesting that uh, the way the timing works out. I was just kind of following along with that on Twitter um, as it was going down. Okay, quite interesting. It was good. And look, it, look, the 1v1 tournaments, it, like, it was awesome. It's such a great tournament. Shout out to Dan, San, Dan Shan and he um, and his buddy uh, Kingpin put it all together. And it was just awesome. I mean, it, it just ran so well. I mean, um, Lots of stables got involved, and I think he's got another sixty stables involved in the in the C two one. So these third party tournaments are like it gives an extra lease of life to some horses as well. Um, you know, check you know, Sealy, check it out. There's always tournaments going on. You know, he's he's got like he's, he's I think he has other tournaments right on at the moment, a sprint tournament. So I mean, just you should check it out if you, you have a horse that you don't think is. You know, you can play for cheap in different tournaments, and it, you know it's really good. I think it's great. I think it's something that Zed is trying to do now, but also the third parties are doing it as well. Should they meet somewhere in the middle, probably, but um, it, it is what it is, I suppose. You know, and I suppose just to add on to the last bit of that weekend that we had is that um, obviously the seven day tournament was on, and Jake, poor Jake Iceberg Racing, who owns Grandeur, he actually lent me a, a horse called Boom Horse uh, while he was away, and he um. He gave it to me in 85.15 and the bloody thing went in the class A, uh, class one A marathon. It went second, first and first, netting about 957 US dollars winnings. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. Which was ridiculous. But as, as, as we all know, Jake's a gentleman. So a gentleman's agreement straight away, we just played 50-50. Um, you know, he's a good, very good guy and um, it was his horse. So we just uh, split the winnings. We split the winnings together 50-50. So at least it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't as. He, uh, he, he, you know. he got, he got a bit of a kickback. For, he did. For yeah, yeah, definitely. And nice. he's such a good guy because he, he just lends horse out to people as well. He went on holidays there uh, over Christmas and he went camping and he just basically, you slandered it out unlimited. Oh, he just put them all out for anybody to race them to have a bit of fun, you know? Yeah, it's interesting the. Uh, groundswell and the, um, you know, the activity that's going on in the third party uh, tournament organising, like this, the um, the draft, the fantasy draft that McGuinness Racing's putting on at the moment. Um, yep. You know, the, all the stuff that Dan Shan's doing. Um, there's heaps of momentum in the streamers and all this kind of stuff. I think the uh, the community vibe at the moment in Zed is probably the best I've seen it. Um, and I've like in the last 16, 18 months that I've been around. Um, and I think for, you know, for players looking to really enjoy the game, you know, participating in these uh, third party events and streams and stuff is a really good way to, to plug into the community. With, and you mentioned a couple of times there, John, like, you know, you've had help from people who have lent you horses and let you to experience things. How much do you think the community? actually contributes to Zed and the whole Zed experience. I think you, you kind of need to play this game with other people to really get the most out of it. Yeah, I think go back to the, to the just quickly to your first point there on on around, you know, 
it's really alive at the moment. You see Twitter, you know, you see Discord. I mean, I, I don't go too much into Discord, but you can see everybody's getting involved. Everybody, you know, good and bad. But, I mean, you have to, you know, say kudos to, to Facundo and Ryan and Dan and the team. I mean, this, they've really, you know, it's a breath of fresh air, everything that's happened, and we're getting stuff dropped all the time. And that's what everybody wanted, more communication. And all of a sudden, we're starting to get that. And we have super breeds coming up. We've got aging coming up. All this stuff is just, you know, what what we as a community have been crying out for. And and, and Fagundo and the team, you know, right and wrong. Some things will be wrong, but you can't, you don't know until you right or wrong them. You know, it's very, they're building a game that's, trying to be had a lot of longevity so hopefully in a couple of years time we can hear come back and do this podcast again and we're still chatting about different things and that's the whole point of the, having a having a, a space where so many so many people are involved in and, and we i think everybody who's stay who's around and been here for a while understands that it's really good time right now it's really good time to have fun in zed and that's all we want yes there's guys with big bags yes there's guys with little bags there's, everybody has their opinion and everybody be respectful with that opinion but it's good. It gets the chatter going, and you know it's it's really exciting. But and and the second point around the community, hundred percent. You, I I suppose when I got here first, lots of people helped me, and I probably six months ago I just put out a tweet every week and said anybody wants to any use table wants a hand, give us a shout. And I've started doing that again, and and. I've had four or five guys who touch base me around like, am I racing this horse girl? Like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a guru at all, but I've just been here for a while. Um, and there's so many great tools. I use Zedge a lot um, around looking at, you know, you know, variants and BA. Zedge tool is great. Zeely is great. If you're looking for speed and you, you got speed shoe, which is a strong. Uh, um, um, I use Hessen Pro at the moment as well. I used to use CSIM. Um, so there's lots of great tools and that's all community based, but knowing each other's stables is awesome. I mean, I've got a relationship with like lots and lots of stables. Um, you know, even Rue from Wacky Racing let me borrow a uh, Breathless Edge for a week. And that was so much fun, man. That was so much fun. Um, he just put up on Twitter, anybody want the first one to say yes to, 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 um, running breathless edge for weeks and i just happened to be looking at twitter at the right time <laughs> and he he's such a good guy because he basically said 50 50 on cost and 50 50 on winnings and i'm like and we'll figure it out at oh, the wow. end and i'm like mate you sure and even when i so the 50 50 winnings were split straight away and i actually won a hundred dollar race six so we had enough we had enough winnings to make just for the 20 minutes before he was about to go back um Actually, yeah, he actually extended the day for me because I was having too much fun. He said, I have it another for 24 hours. So he did that for me. But he then said, like, uh, so I put him on a $100 race and I, and, it, and it won it, right? It won. Um, and that was another, that was in December. That was a big thrill for, for me and my Colin, who was my stable own co-owner. We were both screaming at the screen at the same time. Um, but he's like, here's 50-50. Just send me how much the cost was. And he even, you know, threw in a little extra, just saying thanks for looking after him and, and running him so many times for me. And like, this is, that's the community. And like, I mean, I've, you know, good relationship with Royd Rager, uh, Reese, um, um, Jake. I mean, there's lots of artists and there's lots of people that I've, you've just chatted to over a while, just looking for advice. I mean, I mean, I've, I've sent messages to Kevin and Arbitrage, to Donkey T, just asking, hey, look, I've got a horse. What do you think? And them guys just respond back going, hey, mate, hey, yeah, this is what I think. And, you know, best of luck with it, you know. So it's 100% the community is 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 the pillar um, of what Zed is building. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, even in the last sort of month or so of doing this podcast, just 
getting reach reaching out to more people and and talking to you know people like yourselves and stuff and everyone is um just so welcoming in the community it's 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 quite refreshing to see it's really good just want to talk a bit more about strategy you touched on inside your stable you're kind of you're you're leaning towards variance is that the result of a change of the change back in december or is this sort of the way you've always been running and has that that strategy sort of uncovered any surprises in your stable like things that you didn't think were good that that now in the new meta seem to be a lot better um so i think i've always liked to try and i've always tr- I, I wouldn't say i'm an extreme variant person but i've always i like variants because i mean you can win or lose in, in, in any given time i think um i definitely have changed i definitely have changed since the start um i think before like before we all knew ba and variants and we could all put numbers on it and they could you know they the guys do a great job in the third party tools i mean you just wanted a good racer so it was all about win rate um you know a shape l shape u shape i mean i just wanted a win rate i wanted win rate in paids and that's what i chased the, the most more so when i got into breeding I, I picked up a z2 legendary and I didn't do my due diligence on it, I don't think, and I managed to get myself just a, a high, high BA with a um, with no very little variance. But I tried to breed variance into it, and I I think I got lucky in one of them um, in, in an elite diamond zipper because um, he now has strong BA or she now has strong BA and decent variance, so it can kick out double ups quite well, and it can it can perform then as well and, and top three in tournament days as well. Hasn't won me a lot, but again, that's a horse who basically at the start of C or the start of the champ racing, uh, 3.0 or 2.0, sorry, it um it was doing nothing for me, and in the last week it's starting to flame and starting to win, so that's it's interesting. But going back to, I I am now trying to breed variants at all times. I think everybody is. We're all trying to breed distant preference and variants. Um, I've literally bred four horses. And I've haven't run three of them. I'm sort of waiting for the maiden, <laughs> if it ever comes. Yeah. Like you, you know, I just I'm just and to be honest with my blue peach, who was and he's the he's probably the highest variance horse I have. And up to date, he's absolutely had well, probably one decent horse out of about 10, 12 horses uh, breeds. So I don't think he's the best breeder, but in this this new meta, he may be. He might be able to punch me out a high variance foal that can live in class three with low with with you know with average ba but has super high variance because with the new class system you know a z27 buterin exclusive in class three with a ba of 50 odd and a variance of 85 can be an absolute killer absolute killer because you can gain that ba with your you know with, with running with xp um so uh, so as I suppose when we get closer, and I know there's going to be, Rafa Kundu said, and he was actually on my space. He basically said, look, I mean, they're trying to create a situation where, you know, I, I do think breeding fees, there will be a change to them at some stage. I mean, at the moment, Nakagenesis feel like they're the ones that have been left out. But of all the changes, I think, and maybe you can, and maybe I'll ask you this question, is that of all the changes that happen over in Zed, the, the best horses, like the Nakas have always come true. So back in the beginning, the knackers were super expensive, but they were winning everything. 
when Breeding 2.0, we sort of, everybody freaked out and said, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think Nacogenesis held on to a lot of value and a lot of, a lot of horses devalued. I had horses that were good breeders um, who were no longer good breeders um, after that change. But that, you know, that but it's always seemed the Nacos have risen to the top each time. I think where we've seen the biggest drop off is the ridiculous amount of eat people were playing for premium breeds. Uh, and maybe I'll ask you, I know it's your, it's your podcast, but w- what's your thought process on where premium breeds were, where it was taking the game? And was that something you played in? So, no, so the, the premium foal market, like the, the two, three ETH for a, for a foal, was, it's well beyond my price range. Yeah. Um, only because I, I prefer to bleed ETH consistently in lower amounts. <laughs> yeah, not just in one fell swoop. <laughs> yeah, not just in one fell swoop. Um, I'm sure if I had have saved up all my uh, all, all my poor breeds, I probably oh, would have been able to yeah. afford a couple of them. But um, I I can see both sides. Um, it's interesting when we talk about that experience someone has if you go and drop, you know, two or three ETH on a horse that has, you know, it's not a sure thing. So what's what's its percentage chance of actually being able to make that investment back? Um, I haven't seen the numbers. I haven't even looked at the numbers, but I don't know how many of those premium files have actually turned into to profitable investments um, from that from that scope. On the whole, my thoughts on like knacker, knackers in general in the new meta, um, I think their their value is as strong now as it is as has ever been um, in terms of how these horses are going to evolve over time. So the one thing that it's, it's only a little bit of chatter I've heard about that I think is really important is the distances between levels for a knacker are, are smaller than any other horse. So you know if you breed five o two knacker legendary that gets some good variance and some good DP, you are going to be able to pump BA faster into that than the other horses at that level. Um, and surely that's going to give you an advantage. I think the the value of knackers um, will always be there, just, just for that regard alone. Um, I don't know so much about the breeding market in and of itself. Um, I think time will tell once they start to reset the, the breeding levels. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think, I mean... You could see that the the guys who were consistently getting those big um, premium um, folds fees, I mean, I think that was they were making. I mean, that was a good time to make hay for them. Um, it's very hard to know to put a price on anything, but yet, you know, you just got to look. Did that foal, you know, what's its ROI? And it's, I'm not all about ROI at all, but you know, I want to have fun and just, you know, if you're buying a premium foal, yes, it can hopefully be a good racer for you, but also could be a good breeder, and that's what you're buying. So I think everybody has to make their own call on what they want to pay. Is it a is was a premium fall a good or a bad thing? That's up to the person who bought it. You know, that's their call. I mean, if they want to spend two eat, good luck to them. And that's and hopefully it's the best horse they they have and it's a breeding champion. And and but as we'll see now, we might see some of those. Um, just the appetite for breeding is not there. But I can guarantee you, when super breeds drops and the maiden drops. Because, you know, all uh, look, the TZ team have been listening to the community. You can see that they're putting on, we're having conversations. He's on Twitter, lots of, he's on with Dan Shan, Vakunda was, he's on with me. I think he's going on with Arb. 
um, arbitrage and donkey teeth pretty, you know, soon there yeah, as yep. well. He, they're listening and Ryan, they're, they're listening. So the maiden is going to, I feel really think a juiced maiden is coming and it's coming and it's going to be big. Super breeds. And what do you think is going to happen to the breeding? Nobody's breeding at the moment. It's going to absolutely explode. Yeah, I agree. I, it's interesting. Everyone keeps talking about super breeds. Um, this is a good one. Let's get let's get into this one. I, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about super breeds because I, I have an opinion on it. Yeah, look, my personal hope is that they are so rare. Um, there's a there's a real yeah. I, I'm like one in fifteen thousand tops that that pops out as a super breed. Um, but you know that's that's my take. I think from the the chatter I sort of read on Twitter, it's been so long. It's like ah, oh, super breeds will save us in the breeding al- algorithm. And and like we um, in last week's episode with with Dan Chan, um, if you guys haven't heard that, go and listen to it because he drops some really really good knowledge on breeding in general and the value of bloodlines. Like getting back to this premium foal discussion. The value of a bloodline does not go away in in breeding 2.0, um, 3.0, sorry. Um, in fact, it becomes more and more important. And, you know, I hope you're right with the the maiden and the. I certainly see the breeding will take off, but I don't think super breeds are the answer. I don't think that's what you should be shooting for. You should be really driving to increase the chance that you're going to get a decent foal and the way to do that is to plug all the holes in what you're trying to breed and to go all the way back up the bloodline to have as as few holes as possible so if you've got you know a good bloodline that's got strong dp the same dp the same variants all the way down its bloodline and down its ancestry tree you've got a a good bloodline to actually charge a premium for because you're you're reducing the chances that someone's going to pull from you know an attribute you're not looking for in a foal but i think um the community and yeah everyone's like hanging their hat on super breeds like it's going to save them but um i certainly i certainly hope they're a lot rarer than everyone everyone thinks they're going to be that's my two cents what about you john yeah i think i think we're on the same page i think i think Nothing. Very little has changed in, in grads. You sh- you're 100. Danchan Danchan's um, uh, uh, space during the week there. You know, it's very very informative, very good in the sense where you can't if you have all those holes plugged as per the last six months, you're gonna more than likely have a very good fall. So there's nothing has changed around that. Yes, they may drop into 501 or 510. But he's still got to be a good, good horse. It's just horses are now ranked a little bit closer together by their ability. So you're not going to have that distance. You're not going to be able to bash up a, um, a you know, a level say, 78 horse anymore in a tournament or in a, you know, in a 250 pay because people didn't know where they were putting them or a 268 where everybody was used to breeding those. So um, I think if you have a solid bloodline, it's not going to change anything. I think that nothing has changed in that sense. Um but yeah, I agree with you. I I think a super breed needs to be super, super rare, in a sense of yes, it can happen. But in the first week of super breeds, you can't have 10, 15, 20, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 super breeds popping up. You want to make it niche. You want to make it special. You, you want to just 
give us the, you know, like the lotto breeding 1.0 lotto that you could pull out something random. Yes, pull out a super breed. How good, yeah. how good, how great would it be if you got a super breed? But it's not. It's it should be a a side part of everything. It shouldn't be the only reason you breed. You should be breeding for the best foal you can get. Um, and try land it in probably 474, 475, so you can have a go with the class, uh, class top of class two. But um, and yeah, that's my opinion. Um, but super should be rare and they should be special. Yes, you're gonna yeah, have absolutely. the big stables come and knock on your door. Hey, I've just uh, bred a super breed out of my, I don't know, two buterins. You know, the big guys are gonna come and knock, and they're gonna go, hey, look, can you, you know, can we buy that off you, or can we do a breed, you know? Because they, they, we don't know what what a super breed exactly is gonna do. Yes, you, you know, the variance might be spiked, or a little bit, the disimpression might be spiked a little bit. How good is that gonna be in in his racing ability? You know, it's gonna make it a little bit better, but is it gonna make it supercharged? Yeah, and I think Facundo was was very clear on this um, in the spaces that he was on with Dan Chan that every every breeding pair will have you know the same chance to breed a super breed whatever that is it is a bit of a lotto um, but if you get a super breed with two donkeys you, you're going to get a donkey super breed yeah it, it doesn't guarantee yours it's only going to you know multiply one of the traits of that horse. Um, so it's going to be interesting and I think, you know, for those on the secondary market, you know, it doesn't really change the the meta of the game at all. Like if no. if I'm trying to sell a super breed, go and look at the, the parents and just see. Just because it's a super breed doesn't mean it's going to be a gun. Yeah, um, but we're in the we're in the world of we're in the world of DJ here. Every if you if you have a super breed, you're going to get a good offer for that. I mean, that's just the nature of where we play. Um, but you're right. We, a class four super breed. I'm just. I cannot wait to see what actually how it runs. I just can't wait to see how a super breed runs, just to see if it's ridiculously good, um, or is it just above average? Because you've you've basically made a donk. You've made a. You put two donkeys together and you've given a super breed. It may be a super breed donkey, <laughs> like you yeah. said. Could be. But, and that's the great thing, but but the, all these things are adding spice to the game, and that's what we want. That's what we need. We want to have little avenues where we can go down our rabbit hole of. Remember when everybody was trying to uh, supercoat? It turned out we didn't need to be trying to breed supercoats, but um, maybe they might have a function in the power. Might have some, uh, I don't know, some some use for you know some utility in the future. But who knows? You know, who who knows? Like. Um, like, will you be breeding for a super breed, or will you just be breeding for a good, fo- a good, ho- a good fall? No, I, in every breed I've ever done, um, I've never even tried for super coat. It's never, never bothered yeah. me at all. Um, I've always just tried to get the best racing horse I can get. Um, you know, most of the times really poorly, um, and it's just interesting because what, what, one of the things that. I guess the the players down the the premium bloodline kind of price point, which is you know always where I'm at. Um, you're always running that risk of there are holes everywhere in the bloodline to pull from. So you know you it, it's much harder to get that good roll on a good horse. Um, but you know it's just just as satisfying, maybe even more so um, when you do. And so you mentioned something before, John, about um, getting someone's opinion 
um, on your horses and all that. And if you don't mind, I'd I'd like to take a moment and um, and quiz you on the value of a horse. Yeah. Um, I put a question out in Twitter the other day, and no one answered. It's obviously uh, more a statement on the amount of Twitter followers I have than the question <laughs> I asked. I think, but I have a Evo Four Elite Knacker Elite. Um, it's a hundred percent leveled up as far as it'll go. It's four hundred, um, and it just runs sixty-five to seventy percent double ups in C three. What do you reckon that horse is worth? Is it what? What is it winning? Is it winning double ups? What's this, is it? Is uh, it's not winning. It's it's running about oh. eight or nine percent win in them. Okay. See that's see. That's a tricky one because you're you're basically you're not you're not going to get any better, but yep. all the horses in that cl- in that in that class are going to get better, so they're going to catch up on you. Okay, so that would be a difficult sell for me um, because I would look at that horse and go, right, what's what future do I have with this horse? Can it? What's its parents like? Is it are, are its parents above 12 percent win rate? Yeah, one of them is. One of them is. Um, has it had any? Uh, have you bred it yet? Yes. Let me bring it up. Let me bring it up. Yes, I have bred it, and it bred one of the horses that it bred. Um, produced a elite that got upgraded to an exclusive. Okay, so it has some breeding ability. So. So. I think for me, I, I probably wouldn't even look at the horse just for the fact that I know I can't race it. Well, if I do race it, it'll eventually people, the rest of the horses in the class will actually catch up on me. So um, I'm not being, that's not me being mean there, but it's hard to put a, to put it, like I would say if it's No, no, able I'm, to, I'm asking a genuine question. I'm yeah. just curious. So, and it's, what's its double up? Is it $5 double ups? Obviously, yeah. Uh, it runs two fifty and fives, yeah. 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 Okay, and 10%, like. I don't know. You wouldn't be I don't know, maybe fifty bucks max. I'd say on it. Um, that's probably where I put the value. It's just because it doesn't have that future potential. It's you know if it's got a parent over. I, I generally try and get parents above ten to twelve percent both sides. So both parents to be above that. So I know they're able to actually win races. Um, obviously check if they're paid or not. Like depending. Um, and then I'd probably check out the edge tool and see what variance and BA it sits at and what district preference it has because. Um, Probably if it's good at double ups, it's got a strong BA, but you can't bring that BA up anymore. I'm actually just probably shitting on your horse here at the moment. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. The ho- John, the horse isn't for sale. I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, it was just an exercise to to try and understand um, how people think about when they when they value horses. Um, so hearing you talk about like your thought process about how you go through it um, is actually quite valuable um, and 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 quite interesting to understand. So if we take that, I guess, that approach and let's sort of apply that to breeding. And I know you mentioned you use um, the Zedge uh, for this kind of stuff, but when you're trying to breed um, your next racer, what are the processes you go through to breed that foal? What are you looking for in the parents? How much attention do you pay to the grandparents? Yeah, okay, so very good question. So I generally don't, I I think grandparent role is 
pretty difficult to actually put a number on exactly what percentage it's going to hit unless it's got really good grandparents you're just going to get you know a small amount so i don't even look at the grandparents um unless it's a superstar and then i'm then i might my ears might prick up a little bit but generally i don't go near the grandparents i would look at the parents oh look uh, definitely look at their distance preference and uh, variance at the moment obviously we used to look at ba2 but not really as much anymore because we know we can bring that up um more ba to, or to see where actually they well, where i want them to land i'm not i haven't been trying to push for a class one racer because it's tough up there but as we go through more conditional stuff it might be better to you know the breed that it into class one i'm trying to hit top of class two or top of class three um but i would simply look at the uh, the parents um try pull high variance and the high distance preference which is probably standard practice for a lot of people here but i also like the parents to be able to run so they need to have i mean there's no point in having a two percent a 95 variance and a 95 uh, a 2600 specialist who's won just one percent of its races now you need to look at that step back now and have a look at that and goes where was it running was it stuck up in class one the whole time if so, well, maybe it was just running against all the harder. You know, where is it now? Is it down in class two and it's starting to pick up a few race wins and whatnot? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. So it's definitely looking at each parent in detail around where they've raced, where, you know, where where they've flamed. I like flames. I don't. I think it's just, as I said earlier on, it's just an indicator. Um, it shouldn't... If you have a horse that's flaming in a free race and against a horse that's not flaming in a free race i'm gonna buy the flaming free racer way ahead of the and if it's flaming and paid i'm gonna and especially nowadays i mean <clears throat> in the current meta <clears throat> excuse me and in, in the current meta you i'm always looking for paid racers who've run in the last three four weeks and have a few flames but if i'm breeding i'm looking for distant preference i'm looking at variance i'm looking to see where the parents have played i'm looking also looking at their their offspring if they've been matched up together before um, and what that happened, especially when I'm looking at one of those um, NACA legendaries, I want to see if the two Genesis have put together anything before, maybe pick that up a bit cheaper um, if I can. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely go pretty deep when I'm trying to, um, and probably even deeper if I know I have a horse, a female horse that I know everything about that horse because I race it. I'm looking to match it with something a bit better as well so i I don't i'm not going to go put this similar to similar i'm going to try if i have a mid female i like to try and push it to to either way so i might do it with a 1200 meter um distant preference horse or i might do it with a 2400 meter i very rarely put 1800 meter specialists together because i want to drag them out with that mid the, the milli of mid because you just you just better i think they perform better if they've got a little bit more distant preference yeah so how it it does yeah um it's which is an interesting thing like the breeding for a distance preference versus a variance um is kind of something that will evolve i think the knowledge will evolve over time in the community which is kind of interesting but when you start that process of okay i'm going to make another foal like how specific do you get? Do you say I want a class three, twelve hundred meter, top three runner, or is it? Yeah, a, a little. No, no I, I try to go as specific as I can. 
I really want the pinpoint to fall. I don't want to waste like I'm. I don't want to. I don't have unlimited eat, so I don't want to waste it. Um, yes, I've wasted lots and lots like you. I've got I think what twenty odd horses in my donkey barn because I thought I was breeding the correct way, but obviously it wasn't the right way. But I've I've hit a couple and sold them on for a bit of for for a bit of profit, which was good. Um, but yeah, like my my best horse, Blue Peach, is a twelve hundred meter specialist. Um, it's an 82 variance on the sedge tool. Um, and I'm trying to put together high variance of a 1000 or a 1200 meter sprinter with that stallion every time. So yep. I go, I hit up all my mates in Twitter and say, anybody got, uh, anybody got a, um, a female for, uh, that I can basically purchase, uh, the, the next breed off. And that's what I do. I try to be super specific. I don't bash things together willy-nilly. I've done that in the past and it has never worked for me. So yeah, I think nice. I'm super, super specific. I don't and go. I when don't, you talk uh, about this, this idea of, um, you know, the renting the womb, as they say, or, or buying the foal, what, what's a fair price? Like how do you, do you base your, your pricing offers off what the, the equivalent stallion would go for in a breeding fee? Like, how do you um, think about that? Well, a couple of ways. First, I'm looking at what that, that um, female has produced in the past. Um, and does it align of where I, now where I want to drop that? You know, if it's a, if it's a, a knack of legendary female that's produced good ones, you're going to pay more for that. Um, but you need to have the stallion that's up, up to, up to, you know, you really want them to be as good as they can be. So, if I'm looking at my, say my Z10 Finiology sitting in class two, and I want a mare that's class two, I just you know, I'm, it's hard to know where you wanted. He he to breed that that guy is probably 0. 0, 0. 0.03. Depending, it really depends on the horse, the female. It could be a point one if it's punching out really good foals, um, with high wing rates, or it could be literally point zero two, which just someone's not using it, um. And I've actually found in the past that when I've asked for wombs in, in the in the in the sort of on, on Twitter, it's never really worked for me because I've always went for the cheaper the cheaper one, you know, <laughs> which mm. is probably it goes against what I said about being super. You get what you specific. pay for. You really do. I really do. I mean, I I, I yeah, I paid for I paid point zero five for a a, a female, um, and it was absolutely dog dogs balls because it looked great but it didn't match up my horse my stallion but it was cheap and i thought it and it produced some decent ones so i'm super super specific now i don't try like i know i said earlier on about my mids but i've only got one mid and i try to drag some distant preference out of that mid um, but other when I, when i'm talking about my sprinters it's always sprint 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 and i see some guys put up on there um up on Twitter and say, look, I've got a womb to sell. Or sorry, I don't like using that. A female breed to sell. Um, and I hit them up and I say, how much do you want? And it's like 0.2. And I'm like, I can't just travel. Like, it's gonna, it'll take a while for you know to get that 0.2 back, you know, plus your own breed yep. on top of it. So it has to be realistic, you know. It, it has to be realistic. And probably I always err on the side of caution. I'm like, if I can get it for a certain amount that's in line of what I'm paying for the stallion, I set my own. That's okay, but anything more it needs to be super special, I think. Yep. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very nice. 
Well, I mean, time flies when we have these conversations, John. I'm we're, we're almost at an hour mark now, so um, well, it's it's one of these things that I think we um, all of us could talk about Z Run for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I, I've got one more question just to round it out for you, and and just tell us about what what's Z like this time next year. Like what's what's going on in Z in twelve months' time? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Hey, that's a really good question. Look on the trajectory we're on right now. In the you know in the fact that what's happened in the last month and the fact that um, Fakundo said when we I think we turn on the thirty first of March there'll be more great things coming. Um, it's then how we market it if they market it well and there's a bit of a, a bull run in the crypto uh, in the crypto market, you could see it exploding. I mean, I think we've been taking a lots of baby steps probably in the last 12 months, 12 to 18 months that I've been here. And yeah, we, yeah I mean, some things have been terrible. Some things have been okay. Some things have been good. But in the last six weeks, you, you can only feel confident about where we're going. I would just love to have more people in the, in the ecosystem. That's what you want, as many as you can in the ecosystem. I mean, it's a very enjoyable game and a very marketable game, marketable game um, to play. So in 12 months, I see Kevin having, at Vibratage, having 17 super breeds that he breeds together to have super, super breeds. <laughs> and then he puts them together to have super, super, super breeds. And Donkey Teeth hasn't got a clue what he's doing because he's got so many super, super breeds, he's no longer needing to breed anything else. Um, but I mean, that might actually turn a good thing is we've got aging coming. That's going to be a slow burn about, you know, those, you know, bringing those RSBs and, um, uh, you know, one more tissues and, and breathless edge one, you know, that's going to be interesting how that works as well and how, 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 how that's going to happen. But I'm excited. Like I think at 12 months time, we'll, if we keep taking the steps we're taking right now, I think we'll have a really, really strong game um, that we all can enjoy. I think, Yes, change. We're going through a lot of change at the moment, and some of it. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Some people like are on the fence about it. But in twelve months' time, I'm, I look forward to it. In twelve months' time, it, it it's going to be better than it was twelve months ago. That twelve months, the last twelve months we had was hard because we didn't really have a lot of inspiration um, coming true and creativity and innovation. But now we have. I mean, once if he can, if they can nail custom tournaments like the third parties are doing, or even, I don't know, source that stuff out to third parties, people. I mean, not, not necessarily Dan Chan, but even Dan Chan said himself, if, if if Zed can, you know, create a situation where he'll have, you'll have so many more content creators come in and create tournaments, big tournaments, small tournaments, you know, even McGinney's Racing doing that. That's hard work for him just to do by himself, but he's doing it. Um, um, and I know Avon is, is streaming as well. So this is... I think it's great. I think we're in a good place right now. 12 months time, I think we can be in a better place. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I On that custom tournament thing, I I think the way forward, what I'd love to see is Zed to release a part of the platform that's, imagine, like similar to Spotify where you could come in, buy an NFT that's a racetrack and then have a set of tools where you could you know, decorate the racetrack or put your own branding, get your own sponsors, that kind of thing, um, and then take part as the operator of that track. So if people are running paids on your track, all that kind of stuff, um, and just let let Zed be the game engine behind it all. 
um, and just turn turn the content creators loose um, on the ecosystem. I think that'd be fantastic. I mean, that's throwing out a mountain statement in a molehill, but um, no, I think it would be uh, very would be interesting a, to see. So what you're saying is, me and you are going to buy. You know, we're going to build our own stadium and we're going to put all <laughs> these tournaments together, and we'll have it all on a podcast. <laughs> For sure, let's do it. Sounds great. Awesome. All right, awesome. John. On that note, um, that's a very positive way to finish. So I love it. Um, yeah, awesome, awesome. No, it's been hey, really mate. good. It's yeah, yeah, really it's good. been fantastic. Thanking, uh, chatting to you, and um, yeah, thanks again for for coming on, um, sharing your story. I'm I'm so keen just to hear. You know, if you own one horse in Z, um, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about your experience. How did you get in? Um, how are you playing the game? Uh, it's it, there's a lot of people out there that that don't get a voice, I think, and and don't get heard a lot. So um, I'm keen to talk I, to everyone. I, I think you're doing a great job, and as it keeps growing, we'll keep you know we'll keep pushing it. Um, it's it's great to have people coming on with new podcasts. So everybody loves listening to everything about Zed. Probably not about what I was talking about because obviously, but I think in general they love um, talking about Zed. And um, I also have obviously have a Twitter space as well at JGWeb3. So I had Facundo on the last time. I usually have um, Reese Ride Raider Ray, Ray, Racing and obviously Jake from Iceberg. But if you want to come on my Twitter in my space and chat some more yourself as well or anybody yeah, in the for community. Sure come on and have a conversation. We will have a chit chat about everything as well. Um, and then if anybody's looking to buy a Z1 NACA, Marcelago is up for sale. 12854 is his horse ID. Um, <laughs> have a look at him and see what you think. You know, selfless plug, 1v1 champion. Yeah, yeah. Um, buy yourself a Z1 NACA. Well, yeah. I think we'll just try We'll just buy yourself as the best thing I ever did. But uh, we are going to, we want to try and invest in a few other horses as well. So if we can get a sale out of uh, Marcelago, we'll be we'll be reinvesting back into uh into Z horses. Don't you worry about that. Um thanks buddy. I do appreciate the invite. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, no worries, John. You too, mate. And uh, I'll see you on the track. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emerald Aussie Stables. Check out John's Twitter spaces at JGWeb3 on Twitter. If you want to be on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at Eclectic Tech. I'm interested to talk to anyone about Zed anytime. So until next week, see you on the track.